Welcome to QWERTY Writing Life Podcast, where we have candid chats about our creative lives. This is May. And I'm Joy. For more information about our podcast, monthly newsletter, or author resource series, visit us at QWERTYWritingLife.com. That's QWERTY, spelled Q-W-E-R-T-Y. It's the first six letters on your keyboard. So, are you ready? Grab your tea. Or your coffee. And let's chat. Hello, everyone. It's another week. Hello and welcome. Tonight, we're going to talk about waiting on the muse. But before we do that, let's talk about our creative weeks. Joy, what did you do? Well, I have been working on the final round of edits for a client, and I am super excited about it. I love, I've loved watching her words grow and uh her characters deepen and all of this stuff and we're just at the very end for the final polish and it's just it's a rewarding experience so plus she's a super awesome um, lady who I've enjoyed getting to know and I'm just super excited for her to get her debut novel out into the world so yay so excited for that <laughs> that is awesome if you guys don't know Joy is an editor for indie authors and so uh, I guess this sweet lady is an, an indie author who's reached out to you yeah she is from canada wow i know i love it i love getting to uh talk with people in other places especially other countries because you know that's one of the really cool things about the internet it has <laughs> its downsides but you know what <laughs> i get to sit and chat for a couple of hours with somebody in canada and it's just the it's just the coolest thing that is amazing. Yeah. Yay. Congratulations. <laughs> Yay. Yeah. And so, and speaking of like getting to know people and just people around us a little bit closer to my home, I have to tell you and share with you that we have some new listeners. So my dear friend, Christy is a wildlife rehabber, specifically with little possums. And she just got a bunch of baby possums and she has to eyedropper feed these little things. They are so tiny. Oh my goodness. But she told me that she is listening to our podcast while she feeds these little babies. (laughs) So we have got some new listeners, including um, those with four little paws and long tails. (laughs) <laughs> oh, oh, they're going to be such creative possums. They are. <laughs> oh my goodness. I love that so much. And Chrissy, thank you for listening and thank you for sharing us with your possum friends. Yes. <laughs> so much fun. Also, I have to meet you. <laughs> yes, May will have to come down and we will all hang out. <laughs> Oh my goodness. So tell us about your creative week. Well, I have been able to write down the opening for all the words. And this is the last bit that I need to do in order to kind of get all the words to a closing place so I can start on Water Novel for the writing retreat in September. And so I'm very excited about it. Um, what I wanted to do was take the synopsis that I wrote down uh, for one of the, the videos in the writing workshop that I'm running all the words through mm-hmm. and kind of get it into a more strategic like bullet point kind of situation mm-hmm. and then maybe call upon my critique partner. <laughs> to- <laughs> 
I, know. I think she would be excited about it. <laughs> I can check, but I'm pretty sure. <laughs> but, and this is all like very, very spur of the moment listeners. So I have not talked to Joy, who is my critique partner, about doing this. So. <laughs> But I'd love to to get you, you know, let's let's sit down and put a date on the calendar where I can give this information to you. And maybe you could kind of look through the story, see if you can find any plot holes and uh, the, the bullet points of the story and see if you can find any plot holes and maybe even read the opening scene and tell me if yes. it's compelling. <laughs> and if there's enough character knowledge in there for it to be interesting to a reader to continue on. So awesome. Yay, I cannot yeah. wait. I know. It's been a minute since I've given you like actual words. So I, I want um, them. <laughs> I know. I know. So my, my poetry book came out in July and that was the last thing that um that Joy has critiqued for me. So it's been a minute. <laughs> I'm ready to give her words and I'm ready to hear what she has to say. And also it feels really, really good to be um to be making those words mm-hmm. yeah so it's gonna be good it is i'm very excited about all of the things <laughs> for sure <laughs> so it actually um in order to get all of this stuff done and um I'm, I'm playing on a an idea that has been percolating for a really really long time and really does feel like inspired by the muse you know what I mean yeah. like I feel like this is a story that I'm meant to write and uh and so even with like stories that I'm meant to write and things that I'm really really excited about and it feels like the muse is spot on whenever um, I first get that idea there is a tendency for the little heifer to go hiding her. <laughs> So this is a really good topic for us today because I kind of want to prevent that. And so some of these things that we're going to talk about (laughs) today is going to help us uh, while we are waiting on the muse to come back. There you go. I love it. That was a perfect (laughs) tie-in. So tonight we're going to talk about waiting on the muse. And before we can like talk to you about what the muse actually is and what her characteristics are, we got to talk about like the misconception of the muse. And I think that, well, honestly, this might just kind of follow along with like the hubris of early artists. And I know I had it and a lot of the other artists that I've come across have had the same kind of hubris. And I want, so I wonder if that's like a commonality and a necessity for people who want to be creatives and to create for their, um, for long periods of time. But the misconception here is that you can just sit down at any given moment and make something beautiful that you're super proud of. And so what that looked like for me was that in 2009, I literally sat down at a computer and I opened up the word document and I typed out chapter one. (laughs) (laughs) And then I just started typing and typing and typing. And I was like, what am, what is happening here? And that's when I realized that I needed some guidance, right? (laughs) not something that I could just instinctively do. And so that's when the research began. But 
um, so that I am not alone in that because there's been a lot of other creatives that I have come across who have said exactly the same thing. Like that's exactly what they, they thought that they were going to do, whether they were going to paint a masterpiece or, or whether they were going to sit down and write a novel. Um, this is the same thing, but our reality is for our muse is that our muse is a couch potato. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. (laughs) So our muse is like flipping through channels (laughs) or flipping through the options on Netflix (laughs) And you have to kind of like dance in front of the muse to show her how fun it is to move. And so that is what we're going to talk about tonight is like dancing in front of your muse. If you think about that, you have to move first before inspiration can come. And that is a big deal. And that's also part of the misconception because the idea is like the muse is just going to speak to you and then you will just translate. Right. Right. But that's not normally how it works. So we have to be, we have to move before the inspiration will. Yeah. Yeah. So for me, I feel like this manifests itself as a huge form of procrastination (laughs) in my creative life. So I'll start to sit down and write and then the excuses come. Nope, not going to happen. Nothing's coming to me. I don't want to force it. And I have like all of these, you know, things that I back up why I should get up and go away. (laughs) But really, what I'm actually doing is just covering up my procrastination because the truth is I either don't want to write, I'm being lazy, um, Or a lot of times I'm feeling insecure about myself or my writing or my project or whatever, or I'm actually afraid of something. So Mm. sometimes I use this as a tool to kind of get out of putting pen to paper or, you know, finger to keyboard or whatever. Yeah. Totally been there. Yeah. So one of the things that I do is like I make safe actions. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if you're <laughs> if you're thinking about that, it's it's I think it's like the cousin of procrastination in, in a way. <laughs> because um you're you're doing things like so you know that you need to be writing or creating or whatever, you know, whatever medium you're you're doing. Um, but there is an underlying reason that I haven't identified <laughs> That is preventing me from um, really wanting to do what I know I need to do. Mm-hmm. Um, or maybe I have identified what it is and I'm just like in denial <laughs> about it all. <laughs> so instead what I do is I do safe actions that are related to the thing, but it's not the thing. Mm-hmm. Whereas like if I would just do the thing, it would relieve the anxiety of not doing the thing. And it would prevent the regret of not doing the thing when I had the chance to do the thing. So exactly. So that's a big deal there for me. Um, And the muse is like nowhere in sight when this happens. But in the times where like I chose to write instead of um, giving into like my emotions and just doing the safe actions, then. What would come out maybe would start pretty rough, but that the muse or the inspiration would come like just around the corner and poke its head out and be like ready to work after a little bit. 
That's so true. And I think we've talked about this before. Um, it's been maybe season two, even season one, possibly, where we talked about, you know, sometimes you just have to make yourself start. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's amazing what can happen when you just get a little start. <laughs> yeah, I think that that was in like the one of the very first episodes in season one about procrastination, particularly. Yeah, yeah. So another thing about this is inspiration isn't always tangible or neon sign, you know, like we want to have this heavens open, ah, you know, and it just comes to us kind of situation. And that's not the way that it works. You're not always going to get a fancy dressed invitation and be pushed up to a feast table full of all the words and themes and character motivations that you need to write a story. Sometimes <laughs> we have to be a little bit more like Virgil and Homer. Okay, so <clears throat> I'm going to nerd out just a little bit here. Because... I'm so ready for it. <laughs> <laughs> so I have been doing ancient literature with my kids this year, and I adore it. <clears throat> so here we go. Just stick with me. It's going to make sense. Throughout the Aeneid and the Iliad, for example, The author set about telling the tall tales and describing the bloody battle scenes. Then they pause and invoke the muses. (laughs) So a great example of this comes from book seven of the Aeneid by Virgil. And we happen to be reading the translation by Robert Fitzgerald. So Virgil recounts this final push toward Italian soil by the Trojan remnant on the sea. And right after Aeneas calls to his sailors to turn the prows to land, Virgil then utilizes this literary device. It's called the Invocation of the Muse. And here's what he writes. Be with me, muse of all desire, Arato, while I call up the kings, the early times, how matters stood in the old land of Latium that day when the foreign soldiers beached upon Asonia's shore, and the events that led to the first fight. Immortal one, Bring all in memory to the singer's mind, for I must tell of wars to chill the blood, ranked men in battle, kings by their own valor driven to death, Etruria's cavalry, and all Hesperia mobilized in arms. A greater history opens before my eyes, a greater task awaits me. So, instead of sitting there at your desk or whatever, Virgil sat at (laughs) to write instead of sitting in there and just waiting for the muse to drop upon him he wrote the things and then he said hey help me out here (laughs) help me say this the best that I possibly can and so Virgil and Homer take action as the authors of the story by invoking the muse (laughs) so that's my nerdy little thing (laughs) I'm so glad you shared that. I love that. And it was it was like a literary device, but also mm-hmm. I really think that it probably started out as a true calling to yeah. the muse or who, you know, that inspiration to to get this right. So that's really cool. <laughs> I love that. Well, and we talked a tiny bit about this, you know, like the hubris and everything that it takes to be a creative on the at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, but That was just a little bit of the emotional journey as a creative. And so this is a little bit of like the elusive muse emotional journey. (laughs) (laughs) And just kind of wanted to walk you through what that could potentially look like. 
So the first part of this is that hubris or pride that all will come easily and everything will be lollipops and, and candy canes, right? Yep, been there. So we move from that space <laughs> to this space of humility and that in reality, um, the muse is quite elusive and sometimes what you do at the beginning is poop, right? <laughs> exactly. So, so then we move to the space of grieving the pride that we lost and the confidence that we had in ourselves, <laughs> which brings us to this beautiful, emotionally vulnerable place where we're actually ready to learn and practice our craft. And then um, we move to the space where we can earn creative confidence and creative trust, which we talked about a few episodes ago as far as creative trust. Yeah. And finally, we can be a better creative and artist because we are in this space of creative trust. We've actually had to work hard for the craft that we have. And we know that we have the strength to do this and also to adapt if we need to, if this doesn't work again tomorrow. Yeah. I love that. And it's, you know, it's just a good reminder that this is kind of like a cycle, I think, to some extent, mm -hmm. you know you're always going to struggle probably with pride. And then you're going to have these times where you just feel like, man, that was so bad. I am just going to, I'm going to forget this whole thing. <laughs> I think that we, it's just, that's life though. I don't think that that's only the creative life. I think that that's life in general where you have the good days and the bad days and the ups and the downs, and you're not always going to do things right. Um, or things aren't going to go the way you envision them or, you know, whatever the case may be. But mm -hmm. the important thing is to always be bettering yourself and be learning more about who you are and also about who you want to be. And as an artist, specifically who you want to become and what kind of artist you want to be. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I'm not trying to say that like the muse is just like only this lazy couch potato thing that you have to like. <laughs> what I am saying though is that this muse is this, the muse is this very sensitive part of yourself that gets its feelings hurt very easily and um, is a bit fragile in a way. And so as, whenever you can trust yourself creatively, I think that the muse trusts you creatively <laughs> as well a little bit more and more um, as you practice your craft and you you gain that confidence and you, you gain that trust. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, she knows that, that this is this is a good relationship and that you're going to listen to her. That's another thing too yeah. <laughs> about, about this, the sweet old muse is that like, if you, <laughs> if you go against what, she, what the muse is trying to tell you, then that does tend to, to stop up that line of fluidity between the two of you. And, um, and so that can kind of put her into silence as well. So <laughs> that's a that's a new thing that's not in the outline, but also something that I have experienced. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> you too, then. Yeah, uh, I mean, you have to listen to it, and it it could be something that 
ends up not working, but you have to at least give it a shot because usually there's a reason, Mm -hmm. you know, there's something there. And I truly believe that what we call the muse is just a part of ourselves that we don't get in touch with very often. Mm -hmm. Um, Would you agree with that? Yeah, I would. I think that there is, yeah, I mean, I don't know what to call it necessarily, but it's like this part, partly subconscious, partly just whatever it is that's inside of a creative person that has been influenced and built on all of the creative stuff that we have surrounded ourselves with our entire lives and our Mm -hmm. experiences and our studies and our research and our, all of those things I feel like come together in this muse or whatever else you want to call it. Yeah. Yeah. And so that for me, because I'm, I believe that that same thing, I like exactly what you were saying, but all of that is, is within me. Mm-hmm. And so for me, the important part is the conscience, the conscious <laughs> trust and the conscious confidence mm-hmm. um, through practice and learning and consuming and practice and learning and consuming <laughs> over and over again. Yeah. That's one reason um, why I think that's one of the most important things is because we're trying to draw out this inner self, this muse, mm-hmm. and uh, and and feel those moments of inspiration. Yeah. So, whereas the um, the ancient authors are probably <laughs> calling from, you know, a place of like supernatural right (laughs) and like actual worship and like all of that which we're not talking about but (laughs) yeah I just felt like I needed to say that out loud yeah (laughs) (laughs) but um but I just like felt like I need to clarify for any uh, any listeners that I don't really think that this is something that is necessarily out of your control Mm. um and I don't think it's necessarily something that is like outside of yourself that you have to call down into you. You already have it. Yeah. You already have the inspiration inside of you. You already have this magical muse inside of you. It's just mm-hmm. draw, learning how to draw it out. And I also think that it's an, it's an exercise. Uh, it was mm-hmm. like an exercise. Like the more that you do it, the easier it gets in, in a way yeah. too. Would you agree with that? Yes, I would. But I would add one thing to that. I think mm-hmm. because it is within us and it's, you know, part of us, that's why our emotions can really derail us a lot of times. Mm -hmm. And so because of that, it's important to recognize that fact and understand that when you do get knocked off the tracks, it's not that there's anything wrong. You haven't lost it. You haven't, you know, whatever. It's that there's something going on that maybe you just need to figure out and work through emotionally. And we've had plenty of episodes where we've talked about that in detail. So, you know, I think it's just, it's in, it's important for us to recognize where it comes from and that, like you said, we do have control of it. Um, mm-hmm. And it's just a matter of learning how to control it. it. Yeah. And how to work yeah. with it. Exactly. Yeah. Cause it does not, respond well to a forceful hand 
No, <laughs> no. Must be petted. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Gotta be told that it's pretty. <laughs> <laughs> so, but I, you know, and I'm joking about that, but like, I think that's why the emotional journey as a creative is important. The thing that we just talked about, like the pride and then the humility and the grieving and like all of those things. I think that's why it's important and why our muse responds to that is because by the time we do get to an emotional place, an emotionally secure place mm-hmm. where we're confident and we're, we're trusting and uh, by the time we get to there, the muse is like, okay, now you're okay. Now I can be okay. <laughs> <You know>? mm-hmm. <laughs> so. <laughs> well, this has been a fun topic, I think. Um, I, I think, hope I think I'm going to name my muse, too. Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah. I just call her Helga or something. Like, <laughs> um. Helga. <laughs> That was the first name that came out of my mind. That's Brunhilda. Okay. <laughs> this is a work in progress, people. <laughs> we will work on our muse names and don't tell them what we called them yet because. Because <laughs> yeah, my muse was like, oh, uh-uh. <laughs> <laughs> you named me what? <laughs> this is a nice name. <laughs> <laughs> Too funny. So I think that it's probably time for a Cordy challenge. It totally is. And <laughs> potentially maybe. potentially part of our challenge now is what are you gonna name your Major muse? muse. <laughs> so you can be like Benjamin. <laughs> oh Benjamin. Get your funny. act together. <laughs> I like that. Oh, no. <laughs> no, okay, yes. Cordy challenge maybe okay. May needs to stop talking. <laughs> Cordy challenge. Okay, so here it is. Reevaluate your relationship with the muse. Is it healthy or does it need work? And do you need to dispel some misconceptions? So, yeah, just kind of take stock of that relationship and give him or her a name. <laughs> I really love the idea of this. It's going to be fun. <laughs> oh my goodness. We're totally going to name our muses now. We are. And- we're gonna talk to each other's pieces too. Can you see? I can see future conversations like as if I were psychic. Yes. <laughs> You're gonna be like Helga, stop it. <laughs> Helga, that is not what she needs right now. <laughs> you are not helping. Bad news. <laughs> this oh is how our writing retreats go in case y'all were wondering like when it gets to be super late and we've been up for a long time with a lot of writing and maybe a little bit too much sugar these are the kind of things that happen <laughs> it's true it's true it and right true. now it's uh 10 50 central time yes. so it's a bit past my bedtime but this yeah. has been fun and it i'm so glad been. that you guys joined us today definitely so you guys have a fantastic week and go make something bye bye (laughs) thanks for tuning in we hope this episode encouraged you like all creatives we thrive on consumer recommendations so please consider leaving us a review and sharing our podcast with your creative friends If you'd like to continue this conversation, visit us on our website at QWERTYWritingLife.com or on Instagram at QWERTYWritingLife.